0: Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. And this one feels a little bit different, Aaron. Uh, Not only are we doing on video, uh, but I I see an entirely different background. We're not, it's not the customary uh, cluttered uh, garage studio or wherever you have been for the last (laughs) few months. Yeah, we are in a new house, unexpectedly.
1: Um, I won't get into that story for... uh, the protection of the foolish parties that caused this in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, Um, But yeah, it's amazing, because it is now in the mornings, like 35 degrees. It'll heat up to the 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, being out in the garage, I was always fingerless gloves and heavy couple flannels. So it's crazy to be inside in a little office all warm wearing a t-shirt no fingerless gloves it's it's great It's nice it's a beautiful built in cabinets behind you it looks like yeah this was built by a contractor for himself so these Uh, cabinets behind me are like chest high i think he probably put blueprints or stuff out on it yeah, yeah yeah so uh yeah i have tons of space uh to to store Cables and microphones, without looking as ugly as it did in the other place.
0: That's great.
1: That's great. Yeah, We we definitely live way out in the country. No, right now I'm using my phone's hotspot uh, internet, which is about 600 kilobytes. And we, I've been trying to work this out, and we're having to do the satellite internet, which I have never done. Yeah, way more expensive, way less, uh, like limited usage. And my kids are ticked because you cannot do any live gaming with your friends. And my oldest son and his girlfriend love that's how they hang out at night because she oh. lives 30 minutes out the other oh. direction. Right. Right. And we live like 10 minutes out in this. So that's how they connect. And, because, oh. you know, this signal's going what 45,000 miles or something to get there and back. Yeah. So there's about a half second delay. So you can't, You know, can you imagine playing a shooter game they shot you a half second ago and you go, oh and you're Oh, really? So yeah, it's it's not I mean, it is limited by technology, but it's really limited by
0: just space is space. I'll tell you what though, you know, I'm old enough that it just this seems like a a silly conversation to me. (laughs) That you only have six hundred and sixty kilobytes per second or something. And I remember getting I remember the twenty eight eight modem the the squeal for the dial-up connection oh my the, the God, one I'm, the one pixel of a boob at a time on the yeah porn I, 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 I know
1: ridiculous. there was
0: no such thing as a video and you had to wait for that <laughs> picture to crawl down the screen you had to <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, for, I, for a I, porn I, addict I, it was clear sure sheer court uh, torture go ahead
1: I, I totally agree. It's a ridiculous conversation, but you shouldn't be so offended because I have a report sitting here to write for you. Yeah. And because the photos are so big, it won't let me download it. So I'm literally waiting for the new internet so I can do work for you. Oh wow. So you see 600 kilobytes, not enough to download my photos on this one.
0: All right, you just look, you email me the case name, I'll compress the photos and send them to you. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it is an
1: adventure. There are tons of cougars around here. So actually this was, this was really cool. We have three cats. Uh, we like one of them mm-hmm. and the one we like loves to explore outside. Uh-oh. Right, and so we try to get her in at night and literally all the neighbors here said don't take a walk after dark because their cougars have come right down here next to the road good god and uh yeah i know right pretty weird uh at least at least it was the impetus for jenny to get rid of the three goats before we moved here because the last owners had their goats eaten by mountain lions oh my Uh, lord so our cat didn't come in and we're like oh darn uh, it and then about one in the morning we hear the cat screaming and fighting yeah and so uh go outside it's not there uh jenny and samuel are walking around with a flashlight and samuel gets to the end of the property and sees these big glowing eyes across the dry creek oh no you know, Mom, we got to go back inside. (laughs) So by the next morning, we just kind of accepted the cat was dead and tried to be happy that it died doing what it loved, exploring and hunting at night. Yeah. And later that morning, uh, I hear a, a cry from outside and the kids are out there and the cat's sauntering down from across the way up on a hill and the whole family's out there with the cat. Yeah, and I I thought, man, this is literally the the micro emotion that the father and the prodigal son yeah. was talking about when he sang to the elder brother. What are you doing out here? Yeah. He, we thought he was dead, and then he came sauntering down the road. How is your heart not like? Yeah. And this is just a stupid cat, you know. We didn't have a feast for it. We just gave it a little extra attention for an hour, but. Yeah. I, I was so grateful for that emotional moment and to realize, whoa, every time that lost child comes down the road, this is what God is feeling, but blow it up infinitely. Yeah. Wow.
0: So that was cool. So I was thankful for the house, if for that and nothing else. What a wonderful story and a perfect time to take up an offering. I mean, if I'm... <laughs> <laughs> It's an emotional moment. So early in the show, Aaron. <laughs> Just
1: as <laughs> <I am. laughs> Oh,
0: um, my.
1: Come to the front.
0: And I'll tell you what, back back, back on the topic of the, the marbles of this technology, we saw how this technology worked a little earlier in the week uh, when we did a little test preview of a virtual Samson meeting. Yeah, we've had two of them so far. Yeah. And you're working on a hot spot out in the middle of no place? Yep. And uh 8 9 guys in a meeting bro- blowing out into uh breakout rooms per- clear as a bell. I can't wait. Uh we're we've got a couple more hurdles to clear site is still somewhat under construction and we're figuring things out, but I cannot wait to debut these virtual meetings so guys can join and get the experience. Isn't it amazing how close it is to the dynamic of a physical meeting? It really, I, I was
1: thinking yesterday when we were doing it, I can't wait to be in a meeting with 50 other guys and to see these 50 little faces there in Brady Bunch style Yeah, and then to bust out into a group with like four or five of them. Yeah, and then get back. It's, it's so cool. And I'll tell you, you know, I got a screen in front of me that's big enough that their faces are as big as they would be if they were sitting across the table from me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's, you really don't lose a lot. I'm sure if you're on the phone, it's going to be a, a little different, but yeah. at least you can still do it even from yeah. your phone for free. Yeah. 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 So wow. yeah, it's going to be cool. We will keep you posted on this cause, uh, it's, it's just going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And you know what? I'll bet because we have so many lady listeners, we might just have some ladies throwing a little revolution to have some, uh, some lady meetings. Oh yeah. I, I would not be surprised ladies. That's a hint. You can do it. Revolt, revolt. Yeah. But you can't join the men's meetings. Start your own ladies meetings. Okay. Yes. that's what Yes. You can't join the men's meetings.
0: Oh jeez, Aaron, you're you're you are throwing wrenches into the mix here. Yeah, I didn't mean to say it out loud, but there it is. It's out there
1: now, and as our listeners know, we don't edit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right, and we have many episodes to prove it.
1: <laughs> we do indeed. Well, I'm super excited about today's guest. Uh, yeah. I did not know him until you. Uh, you found him and got him. And then I looked him up and man, there's some interesting stuff. What an interesting guy. And we had a great time chatting with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we will share that conversation in just a moment. When we return on the pirate monk podcast. There's a man going round, taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. And we are back in the Pirate Monk podcast. And as promised, we've got a five-star guest. Of course, all our guests are rated at least four stars and above. But uh, we're at the top of the food chain here with Matt Michelotis uh, joining us for a conversation today. I got to tell you, I I first became aware of Matt when I picked up a book with uh, just an irresistible title off a book table at a conference somewhere a few years ago called My Imaginary Jesus. (laughs) I opened up. It was. It's a comic. A comic novel. Huh? You gotta understand, Nate finds book titles to
1: be the most interesting and important thing <laughs> you about this. for 15 years what one of our first conversations it was something about the pink elephant book or something yeah. about so take it as a high compliment that, was okay. it, yeah
0: it was great well when i opened it up and it's, it's 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 this comic novel set in portland and it's got portland nailed in a very snarky way god it's hilarious and um and the book seemed out of place at a conservative christian conference Uh, but the uh but i've heard people say that before yeah but the the story was wonderful and the theological points profound and i thought i that's when i became a Matt McAlottis fan Uh, and i'll tell you what uh he, he uh he posted something on facebook that brought him back into the orbit of my awareness earlier this week we'll get to that later but for now uh here he is matt hello matt how are you man
2: hey i'm doing well thanks thanks for having me on the show i'm excited to be with you guys today
0: uh uh yeah i'm so grateful that you uh rearranged your schedule and found somebody else to take a daughter to an orthodontist appointment this morning so that you could talk to some 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 pirate monks that's that's fantastic hey um just for uh background uh tell us tell us a little bit about matt where'd you come from What, what are you what are you unwrapping in there nate Oh I'm sorry. We got a really good microphone courtesy of Aaron and I'm just I'm I'm playing with a f- a small uh plastic these are these are uh covers for my earbuds. I'll put them on. Some, my.
1: some huh. men have fidget spinners, you have baggies of rubber earbud covers. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> and it's, it's it's rubber earbud covers, covers.
1: Okay. So I don't even remember what question you just asked Matt. I, I was so distracted yeah. Okay. Uh
0: Matt, are you a product
2: of a Christian home? I am actually. So I I grew up in a Christian home. My my mom was a believer gone back, I think, maybe into her teen years. Okay. Uh, my dad came to Christ when I was five or so. Um okay. and yeah, I went to church my whole life. Actually went to Christian school, much of it, uh up through gosh, through high school. Uh Um, So I have spent a lot of time in various branches of the, uh, yeah, Christian sociological sphere, sphere, for sure.
0: Where did you grow
1: up?
2: Uh, I grew up in California in the East Bay of San Francisco in a little town called Concord, California. Oh,
1: Concord, California. Yeah. Now, how old are you? Because there's a lot of stuff you write that I think, this guy's got to be close to the same age as me. I'm I'm forty-three. Okay. There you go. I'm forty one. So there you go. Real You close. would have been old enough to have picked on me in high school. Oh yeah, yeah, except I wasn't that kind. I I would have been
2: hiding under the table with you, I'm sure.
0: And the <laughs> uncomfortable truth is I could be the father to either of you.
2: All right. <laughs> well, I my dad is pretty sure I'm his.
1: <laughs> 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 now um we've actually got a surprise guest later (laughs) (laughs) so then you went to riverside to go to school so headed to los angeles yeah yeah uc riverside
2: uh was at the time i don't know if it still is but it was the smallest of the uc schools it was a great experience i loved it um it, the biggest problem there, though, is the smog, right? Like yeah. all the smog from Los Angeles blows into Riverside and gets caught by the mountains there. So they were testing while I was there. There were car companies testing their exhaust systems, and many of the cars would put out cleaner air than they were taking in. Oh, so wow. you had to be careful. Like you couldn't go jogging unless you check the toxicity of the air first. You wow. know, stuff like that.
1: Now, did you ever hang out at the Mission Inn while you were there going to school? Oh yeah. Everybody goes to the Mission Inn at some point. Yeah. We would uh, go down there sometimes. Listeners go to the Mission Inn. That is one of the most incredible buildings anywhere. Rooftop gardens and things. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that made place. that made me happy that you you might have hung out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. So, so where'd you go from there? You went to school. What did you study in school? <clears throat> I, uh, I studied writing,
2: actually, creative writing, which was great, amazing professors, really good experience. My parents asked me to get a second major so I could make a living. <laughs> so I told them I was going to get a second degree in theater. And then they told me to just do whatever I wanted. So that worked out nicely for everyone.
1: He Um, said, actually, creative writing seems way more promising than we thought just just a minute ago.
2: (laughs) And that's why immediately after college, I settled right into my vocation as a clerk at a comic book shop. (laughs) <laughs> and I did that for a while. <laughs> and then uh, I was a high school teacher briefly. And then uh, I met the woman who would be my wife, Krista, and she is now my wife. I was going to say, but she said no. So I married this <laughs> other girl, <drug. laughs> Right. So I moved on. <laughs> Six women later. Uh, yeah. So Krista and I uh, actually ended up joining a nonprofit, which uh, is called Crew, which mm-hmm. It used, it used to be used called to be Campus Crusade for Christ, yeah, right, yeah. right? So working primarily well, with before, college students...
1: Was that before someone realized the crusades weren't all good? <laughs> <laughs> <Is that laughs> yeah, there were the a couple issues there. So there was for sure the crusade issue in
2: the 1950s when Crew was founded. The word crusade was much more common, like you yeah. have crusade in the newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so of course it it impacts our ability to reach Muslim people to have the name crusade, right. and. And also, the organization—it's one of, if not the largest Christian nonprofit in the U.S. And we don't just deal with college students. So the word "campus" actually was another word that, for those who are, let's say, you're doing ministry to uh, politicians or at the UN or, or something yeah. like that, uh, to say we're with Campus Crusade. A lot of people would say, "Well, uh, that is not about me."
0: Yeah, right. And there were
2: multiple reasons.
1: So yeah, so, we joined
2: staff you with joined crew. that.
1: And then I saw, I, I was trying to find out who this guy was we were going to talk to. And I listened to an interview with you uh-huh. where the interviewer said you were abroad in Asia. I and was. I really wanted to talk about your time as a woman in an Asian country because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's rele- relevant to today's issues happening in our culture. So, what was it yeah, like sure. being abroad in Asia?
2: Uh, well, my time in Asia was unique. I could say that. Yeah, no, <laughs> obviously I think, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Aaron, but the term abroad can also mean outside of the country, which oh, I believe snap. is reference. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what was meant. I don't remember the specific interview. I have no recollection of that. So, so yeah. You so, so I moved to Asia for three we, years. Was it? We did three years. Our oldest daughter was three months old when we moved overseas and our second daughter was born while we were living overseas and it was a man it was a great experience so amazing really um learned a lot about myself and the world and things like that i think living in another culture opens your eyes to which things are cultural in your life and which things are truth yeah yeah. Yeah. objective truth are you allowed
1: uh, to say what country you were in or is it one of those undisclosed asian uh countries it was a large
2: Asian country where it's illegal to do some of the things I was doing. Mm. Uh, and it starts with a C and it's not Cambodia. <coughs> so okay.
1: That, that, that really up. doesn't help us clarify the broad, uh, <laughs> okay. topic at all. So
0: I'm glad to hear <laughs> right. that you were in Canada. So, yes.
1: <laughs> so I'm, I want to bring that up just because Nate, took uh, the the pirate monk message uh, to to Asia you're allowed to say
0: where you were right Nate I suppose i I wasn't very cautious about it, yeah, uh, although I was doing illegal things yeah i was we were shadowed and yeah
1: so he one of the interesting things he brought back was uh, how bringing a ministry of authenticity to a shame based culture uh, mm. was was a very different experience. Yeah. So what, what did you, I mean, three years there, you were in it. Yeah, for sure. So,
2: so here'd be an example. We had a student who had come to Christ, so become a Christian during our time there. He was a great guy, really, really heavily involved with us. And he got caught cheating on a test, which is a huge shame thing. So the way shame works, it's not just a, it's not about personal guilt; mm-hmm. it's about the uh, effect on all the people around you as well. So it doesn't just shame you; it shames your parents, it shames your school, right. your teacher, your classmates. Uh, and he he very seriously considered uh, the possibility of suicide to remove shame from all the people that had been shamed. Mm -hmm. and we worked really hard with him to talk about why that was not a good option for getting caught cheating on a test. Mm -hmm. Uh, So pretty, that sort of thing is pretty common. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think for sure, well, like anywhere, the idea of authenticity is challenging in any cultural context. I think Mm -hmm. if you're in a a context like our own, where it's about guilt, uh, authenticity, uh, well, as you guys know, in the Samson Society and, and on this podcast, I think authenticity reveals issues with yourself. Yeah. It just has to. Mm-hmm. And that does bring up guilt and problems and issues. And in shame-based culture, it's the same. In a power-based culture, it's the same. It's, it, many people see it as showing weakness.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So authenticity is something that is counterintuitive in most cultures. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that's an interesting aspect of what it means to like, I think at the base of it, there's a fear, right? There's this fear that if we're true and honest about who we are, that we won't be accepted or loved. And oftentimes that's the opposite uh, of what we expect when we're authentic about our, our true selves, because other people are also being inauthentic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: So most people like it because of those cultural things, did you uh, experience kind of a different response when people would come to the gospel and find out, Oh, this, this love is, is absolute and built on Christ's work. Yeah. So So a couple interesting
2: things there, there would be people who, so for instance, we were having a Christmas party and this was with people who had been believers for at least six weeks and we didn't introduce national believers to each other. Until they had been following Christ for at least six weeks, just in case they were government plants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we did a Christmas party and realized there were people there who had never heard the, the Christmas story. They just don't know it. The awareness of those stories is very low. So there, there was a girl sitting next to me that is we're laying out the story and saying things like Jesus came as a baby. She's like, "What? Why would he? Why would he come as a baby? That's crazy. He was God. He's powerful. Why wouldn't he come as a man? Why would he come in this vulnerable state why would he mm-hmm. come as human mm-hmm. uh, or, or the angels came and she's like that 's amazing angels came so there was this piece where it was like uh, you're really starting at zero mm-hmm. with the content with the which some of you in the United States depending on where you live if you 're on the west or east coast in a big city that might be your experience with some people that that's where they're coming from. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is it was really easy to talk about these things because literally you could walk up to someone and say, Hey, have you ever met a Christian? And they would mm-hmm. say, no. You say, well, do you want to know what Christians think about stuff? They go, yeah. Okay. And then that's a pretty easy way to start a conversation, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but for sure there were cultural differences in the way we talked about what good news is and i I think that's probably the major cultural shift is where you start the good news not what it is but where you start so uh we might very we might start in our culture talking about guilt and punishment and forgiveness right Mm -hmm. Uh, sin and the wages of sin and how to get away from the wages how to be forgiven redeemed Uh, In a more communal, shame-based culture, you talk more about honor and shame, and how shame can be removed and be replaced with honor. Uh, So that's a really different approach, but it it takes us to the same conversation. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So you came back after three years. You got a three-year-old baby. I can't imagine navigating the stuff you did with a newborn and a little infant, but you came back and moved right to Portland at that point or the Portland area. Vancouver. Yeah. Yep. We, we came straight to Portland.
2: The idea at that point was we we're going, we we're going to go to seminary, which we did. Uh, so my wife and I both went to seminary, got our degrees, during that time, I ended up getting a role where I was overseeing international missions for college students from this area going with our mission group. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we were sending hundreds of kids over the years uh, all over the world, college students usually leading their teams, whether it was for a summer or a year. Uh, and then we'd be responsible for shepherding and coaching that team, taking care of them. So we traveled in those years. I did that eight Nine years, uh, we traveled all over the world, touching base with our with our teams, and saw God do really incredible, amazing things. So we did that for quite a while, and then a few years ago, I, sw- Chris, and I both actually switched into a part of crew. That our job now is uh, we work with really anyone. Uh, so we moved out of the college ministry and into what we call the city ministry. The idea being essentially what I am now is a chaplain for ordinary people. So if it's an atheist who is having whatever their moms in the hospital, uh, I'll I'll be there and we'll work through that stuff. Or if it's a Christian who needs to, you know, go to the next level on something, uh, I'm available to them. So a lot of my work has to do with evangelism, connecting with people, uh, yeah, and sort of ambassadorial work for the kingdom in some sense as well. And then, of course, I do some writing and speaking stuff, which isn't necessarily directly connected to my work. A lot of
1: that I do in my free time. But So, yeah. so you're saying for, what, 12 of the first years of your kid's life, you were doing mission stuff and traveling yeah. all over the world. Yeah. You have three three daughters. This is going to go yep. to where Nate wants to talk a little bit about okay. uh, your book. But I'm curious, how, you, how old are your girls now? Uh, 16, 15, and 8. So how did that affect the kind of young women they are becoming, having seen all of that? Yeah, I think,
2: uh, you know, there were hard moments, of course, there were times when I would go to travel and depending on your kid's age, that's really difficult, right? Like I'd be gone for a week, uh, or longer sometimes. And watching the emotional, just drama that created for the kids was really hard sometimes. So we had to learn to navigate some of that. And we had some family rules in place about how much travel and when and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I think what's cool. So when you're, when you work for a nonprofit, you're not getting rich off it. Right.
0: Uh, well you're not I'm low.
2: (laughs) The, um, but there are a lot of perks actually. And and so I think learning to embrace those perks and really emphasize that in our family has been a big thing. So for instance, when I travel to speak, I usually take one of my kids with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they get to go hang out with college students for a weekend at a fall retreat and like run around with college kids. And it, it, basically all the fun stuff that's been set up for the college kids. My kids are a part of, and they love it. Oh, it's like their favorite thing. In fact, I wanted to take a break this fall cause I was exhausted and the kids were like, how dare you like take a break from <laughs> telling <laughs> college students about Jesus slash taking us with you. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Um, Uh, But yeah, like my oldest daughter last summer before last went to South Africa for Five weeks, I think on a missions trip with other missionary kids There's a a group called MK to MK that takes missionary kids on mission trips So she went to South Africa and did uh, taught AIDS awareness and hung out with uh, high school kids in South Africa you know, stuff like that. My middle daughter is very, uh, missionally focused as well. Like she constantly is, uh, talking with and connecting with people in a really loving, kind way. Uh, and the two of them together with my wife have started a high school Bible study in our house. It was really the kid's idea. Uh, and Krista has been helping them run it. And, uh, they've done that. They just started four four weeks to go, And I don't know, they have between eight and 12 kids every week coming in and uh, they make a meal together and then they sit and they don't do like a formal Bible study. They have more like a freewheeling discussion about spiritual things. And they've got kids coming who are not followers of Jesus and some who are. So there's a a pretty broad spectrum of who's in the room actually. Mm -hmm. So very conservative kids, more
1: progressive kids and kids who aren't believers at all. Yeah. So this brings you to your book that you wrote, kind of for dad so nate you mentioned this you 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 can segue into this
0: oh well that's the sky lantern book but um <clears throat> I, t- I gotta tell you matt this really has touched me i'm uh i've got one daughter you've got three i got one daughter who's uh a single mom she's in mm-hmm. her late 30s now she uh got three kids uh and she uh, let me know a few months ago that She thinks we uh, we're behind on some conversations. She would like to talk about what it was like growing up with a father whose uh, public persona was pretty flawless, but who was an active addict and was Mm. uh, absent, emotionally absent uh, for uh, a lot of her childhood. Yeah. So this is a part of my immense process as a, as a recovering addict. And I'm now walking and talking with my daughter every week. And we're planning actually a two-week walk through England uh, oh, wow. in the summertime, That's specifically crazy. to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, now, <clears throat> this is happening at the same time we're in this cultural, huge cultural shift that we're all experiencing with the Me Too movement. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, behavior that was not even recognized as being in the least bit harmful, uh, is (laughs) by by men, by men. Right. Sure. Uh, and very often what I'm discovering from talking to my wife and other women is that they, they put it aside themselves emotionally. True, true, true. Because that was the message they got. Right. Um, uh, And and up to and including rape. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny. I'm uh, having conversations with guys now. uh, And some guys are having a difficult time with the speed at which this conversation is moving. And I actually had a guy ask me yesterday. He goes, does this feel like a war on men? (laughs) I don't know. Has it felt like a war on women for the last 150 years? Yeah. That's a good question. I said, when, when I think of it as from my, from the point of view of my daughter and my wife and my granddaughters. Yeah. And as I become aware of the reality of what they have been living with all these years, um, I am grateful for this conversation, yeah, um what sparked me uh, uh calling you yesterday or a couple days ago was a post I saw on Facebook where you were talking about the alpha male, yeah uh the alpha male who and the the mind of a lot of people is kind of like you know that is the prototypical you know that's the real man that's the masculine ideal, right, right. Let me go ahead and read what you wrote. Okay. And then let's talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, You wrote uh, Did you know that the concept of the alpha male was invented by a scientist named David L. Mech? Is that how you pronounce it? Mech. Yeah. Mech. He was studying wolves. Later, he realized that his conclusions about alpha males were were wrong he'd been studying captive wolf packs who had been formed with various wolves from different packs more study of wild wolves revealed that packs are family units there's no alpha there are parents and their last couple of litters hunting and living together packs are families they aren't bloody fights for dominance Also, studies of chimpanzees have shown that so-called alphas were not the strongest chimps. They were the ones who were the most helpful to everyone else in the troop. Uh, Check out M.W. Forster's work on this. By the way, I read that same research in Amy Cuddy's book, Presence, a couple days ago. Plus... Studies of human sociology have, shown, have not shown any evidence that this is an actual thing in human interactions. The idea that men should be alpha males was popularized by a guy named Neil Strauss, who was part of the pickup artist community. If you don't know about these guys, they're a bunch of men who sit around and tell each other how to get women to have sex with them. You'll notice there aren't many women nearby. All of which to say, if you're trying to be an alpha male, it's entirely likely, according to science, that you're probably just being a jerk. The end. I loved it. Um, so. Uh, you, you, you seemed
1: emotionally connected to this post. Yeah. So, so is this because you were the kid hiding under your desk and then working at a comic store? And so you felt like, <laughs> darn it, I want my place. Or what, what gave you this
2: emotional no i was uh i was certainly exaggerating when I said I was the kid hiding under a uh, a desk I was actually pretty popular as a kid um, but I was popular for the reasons that the chimpanzees in the study were popular yeah uh, chimp chimp popularity um, <laughs> i I have seen, I think there is a debate going on right now about what it means to be a man. Uh, and, and the Me Too movement is actually a big part of that. As As we're hearing women's voices and they're saying something different than what would have been expected, Uh, It's creating dissonance for people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing some of my friends and people I know who their response to that is to double down on the manly man, alpha male stuff. And, and I think in a way that is destructive, not just to women, but actually to the individuals doing it also. And it concerns me. So yeah, one day that post basically came about cause I was trolling the internet like one does when one should be doing other things. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, just saw a post that hit me the way that I was like, okay, like, let's just, let's at least get the facts out there that the alpha male concept, uh, is not something that is backed up by science. Cause that was kind of the point there saying like, Hey, you can't control, can't control the alpha male. Like you got to get out there and get dominance and you know, all those things. But that's all based on erroneous understandings, uh, at least on the scientific side.
1: So I just thought, Hey man, let's just put it out there. So I I read this very differently than Nate. Um, I, I think, I think we are in total agreement, but I wanted Uh to chat about some nuances to it. Okay. Um, I think you're referring to what I have seen a lot of. You can go on YouTube, and there's there's going to be endless people teaching you how to be the alpha because women right. only are attracted the alpha. That's right. Um, very frustrating. Uh, there's a guy named Simon Sinek that is yep. a leadership training guy. Yep. He talks about this. He actually uh, wait. I wrote it down. I had to actually go through my YouTube history. For four months to find this because I couldn't remember his name. (laughs) (laughs) And did it give me an insight into my three o'clock in the morning uh, YouTube (laughs) viewing habits?
2: (laughs) Uh, you should publish that and just see what people's
1: responses oh man see, you're, you're, you're enough of my generation that you would understand the nights that it was just looking for the robotech voice actors right in comic-con panels because really that was that was min may so you know just go well that was a waste of about three hours of my life that's hilarious and nate has no idea what we're laughing at but, i have no clue but you oh. would have checked that out too i'll bet oh for sure anyways uh why leaders eat last was the name of one of his books and it's Mm -hmm. also a lecture and i think what he there's two things in it one when he talks about the alpha he's talking about the leader of a community so all of these conversations that are helpful revolve around a community and even when Meach did his retraction when he talks about the what he had different words uh the natural leader or the breeding male or the mother Mm -hmm. or father wolf. Mm -hmm. There was still a natural leader within that community. It just wasn't achieved, which is what you said. It wasn't about fighting for it or conquering it. Um, And so what Sinek says I thought was so important was there are natural leaders that God's just built people who have this personality. And they get certain perks for being leaders, but there is a cost because they then have a responsibility to the community, especially when things get hard. And I think the, the most offensive part of the idea that you can develop this alpha male deal so that you can get women is the idea that you can somehow take for yourself the perks of leadership without giving back to the community. In fact, you're only trying to achieve alpha for your own selfish reasons, which betrays everything that leadership is about, which is what the deeper purpose of leadership is. And so when we talk about alpha and leadership, it has that piece in it too. So go, what do you hear with all that?
2: Yeah. So so there is one factual mistake in my post and that's that Meach did not popularize actually the alpha wolf thing. It was a guy named Rudolf Schenkel in the late 40s early 50s and uh this was because so Schenkel was studying wolves in zoo settings mm-hmm. uh, primarily and that's that's what was happening is they were bringing in a bunch of wolves from different packs and putting them together and then they would fight to see who should be in charge so that's what he took to be the the normal thing and what happened was dr meach went and studied wolves he actually was in the arctic in the 60s and was embedded with them and wrote the book that became kind of the book about wolves um, And what he said was that there's a misunderstanding that, like you said, the breeding pairs is actually the core leadership piece. So if you were to keep the term alpha wolf, basically, or alpha male, what he's saying is, if you really want to be an alpha male, here's how you do it. You find someone to breed with and you create a community, a family, and then you stick together. And then eventually one of your kids might wander off to also go breed somewhere and build another pack. And sometimes those packs stick together. And a lot of times they don't, but that the, the way to achieve dominance is not by dominating behavior. It's actually by generosity and taking care of others around you, uh, which is a really radically different idea. Now, it begs the question of whether we want to choose whether to follow human behavior from animal behavior I think that's another question right because we could find there's Mm -hmm. so much weird animal behavior with so many different kinds of animals we could find some animal that backs up whatever we want to say Mm -hmm. Uh, but all the scientific research in animals as well as in human behavior shows that in general if you want to get ahead if you want to be influential that by far the best tool for that is actually, uh, mutual care for the people around you, uh, which is counterintuitive. I think given what we've been taught essentially from the 1950s, that the, that you take leadership, you, uh, dominate others to get what you want. Uh, now it appears in places that that works and it does actually work in places, but it it works in really
1: limited, um, Limited situations and with limited types of people and um, and generally a limited time frame it 's a pretty short term
2: right and oftentimes, when you look at examples of people who have gotten ahead through dominance you 'll see that they actually have other advantages that are counterbalancing all the damage they 're doing through dominance, so for instance, they might be filthy rich, mm-hmm. uh, and that 's something where your behavior Uh, Or or really famous or influential already. And then your behavior becomes something that is ignored. And we're seeing that in the Me Too movement, right? That all Mm -hmm. these really important, powerful men uh, found that their behavior was not... was not controlled or mentioned because no one wanted to cross them because they already had power or influence or wealth. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's not that they dominated and received power it's that they got power and realized they could get away with domination, which was an easier Mm -hmm. path, which is, yeah, it, 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 for someone like any of us on this podcast or anyone listening to it, Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a technique you can replicate easily to say like, Oh, I'll become filthy rich and then I can dominate
1: people. It it doesn't make a lot of sense to follow that path. Right. It's interesting too, that when we talk about this alpha male concept, um, it's so much individual focused when it has, leadership has always had a community or communal context. It's supposed to be in. Yeah. So then we can just look at these traits of a person versus what the responsibility is to the community. Yeah. Nate, I don't know if this is anywhere you want to go so you can make a a, a turn, but I think my biggest feeling on this or my biggest the the feeling it, it brings up in me most is that so many men have ideals being put forth. That they think they're supposed to become instead Mm -hmm. of discovering who god made them to be which has a purpose within their community and has a powerful place but we lose that place when we're trying to be something that's being put forth by the media or by our culture and so uh that's what i i want for men i want to see men who are powerful because they love and serve well in the way that god built them to be
0: yeah Yeah. And I certainly have heard that frustration in the voice of men who've come to us and they've, you know, they're refugees from men's ministries of various kinds in the church. And a guy will look at me and he'll just go, look, I want to be a man, but I I don't want to kill an elk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah. I I wonder if I can make a I, I would like to make a turn here for selfish reasons okay uh toward the the fatherhood aspect of leadership yeah uh, i find it uh, uh i love the fact that you uh, matt are the father to eight daughters i'm going to have a a long conversation later on today it's been hour- a busy couple minutes <laughs> <laughs> i know three the only three that i know of Okay, yeah. But we've uh, got some special guests coming up. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna have a conversation later today with an uncle of mine who had eight daughters. Has oh, wow. eight daughters. Father to eight. Um and and I'm uh concentrating now on my relationship with my own daughter and my wife as a daughter. We're having conversations we never had before because of this Me Too thing. My wife and I. We've been married real quick nearly four years. But
1: note that Nate's wife is not actually his daughter, but is a daughter of somebody else. That's right. Ahead, exactly. Continue.
0: Even though I live in Tennessee. So, um, <laughs> uh, is, is Sky Lantern
2: your latest book, or have you written one since then? It is. Then? I've yeah. got two more coming, but that is my latest. Yeah.
0: Uh, very touching story. So, uh, tell tell us how the book came about.
2: Yeah. Um, so a few years ago, uh, my wife says to me, "There's some garbage out in our front yard, and one of us should go pick it up." Which you know, the way marriages work. <laughs> what she meant was, you should go pick it up. <laughs> and I said, "Yes, one of us should," which was my way of saying, like, I don't really want to. It's raining. And uh, then she went to take one of our daughters somewhere. I don't remember, ballet or tennis or something. And she drove over it and then called me and said, hey, that garbage is still out there. So I knew I was going (laughs) to lose. So... I walked out there and it looked like it was a big plastic bag, but what it actually was, was uh, they're they're called sky lanterns. You you often see these in Asia. Uh, They're illegal in much of the United States, but what they are, it's a paper lantern that you light a small fire under it and it fills up like a hot air balloon and it flies, right? Uh, So people light them off at funerals, weddings, things like that. Um, Anyway, this one had crashed in my yard and written on it, were the words, uh, I love you, Dad. I miss you so much. And then a heart, and this woman, S- Steph, had signed it. And I was standing there in the rain, suddenly realizing this piece of garbage was actually a daughter reaching out to her dad she had lost. And I was really moved by it. Uh, so I took a picture of it. And I i live in Washington, so you know, I recycled it. I didn't throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> um, And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like a whole day. I I was asking my daughters about it the other day. Actually, I was like, do you remember when I found the Sky Lantern? They're like, yeah, you're acting all weird for like a day. It's like, right. Because I just kept thinking about what if my kids, if I had died and my daughter sent a lantern out somewhere and some father found it and he did nothing Like I would haunt him for the rest of his days. Like that would, that's just a gift. (laughs) Um, so I was like, well, what do I do for this girl? I have no way of contacting her. I don't know anything. I don't know her last name. I I don't know anything about her. So I just wrote a letter like to her saying basically dear Steph, if your dad were able, here's what any dad would want to say to his daughter. If if he was able to say these things, this is what he would want to say. And, and a lot of the main points were that he loved you, that he was proud of you, that he wanted good things for your life. And so I wrote this letter and I put it up on the internet, an open letter to Steph. And I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and it was going literally all over the world. This this letter i had written had gone viral already overnight. And my daughter came in crying. She had just read it. And I was, uh, then I went upstairs and my wife was crying. She had just read it. And, uh, yeah. So I started getting letters from all over the world from different, um, basically daughters telling me about their dads or occasionally women writing about their husbands who had passed and saying they were keeping this letter to show to, to the to their kids, things Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, I actually took several days off work just to answer emails and letters. Um, and then eventually it got picked up by the today show. Um, and so it started going even further and eventually the woman who sent it found the letter online, which is just crazy. Just in fact, she said she saw it th- several times and kept not clicking on it. And then she finally clicked on it and was like, Hey, wait, this is actually written to me. And, uh, she knew some other things that were written on the lantern. I hadn't told anyone else. So we knew she was actually the person and yeah, it was amazing. And then she and I became friends. So this was, this was a woman who at the time was uh atheist, uh, or at least agnostic, uh, mid thirties, single mom, um from a really different economic and ethnic background than me all these all these different things really really different people and we've become good friends in fact we were we we're just texting yesterday we've met each other's families now and uh yeah she, amazing woman oh, we yeah anyway so that that's kind of the basic story of the sky lantern so i wrote a book that was about me and steph's relationship but also just what does it mean to be a father how do we show love to our kids? Um, what, what is that relationship like? And some of it is not just not what we... I realize it's hard for some people to say these things. Um, mm-hmm. So in some ways, it's what are the things I wish I could say? So I've had dads... Uh, for instance, recently, I had a dad who contacted me and said, I haven't spoken to my daughter in three years, and I feel the same way as your book, but I don't know how to say it. Is it okay for me to just send the book? And I said, yeah, just write a note in the front that just says something like, I don't know how to say these things, but this book shows how I feel and send it that way. And so he thought that was a great idea and that's what he did. So, so part of the hope is this is something to help us open those avenues of communication. Mm. You know, it's the idea
1: anyway. fantastic wow what what an extraordinary story and now you're gonna pick up every piece of trash your wife tells you to pick up (laughs) that's my wife is like see see Uh,
2: she also is kind of funny like between projects sometimes when i'm writing i'm like i don't know how do i'm gonna do next like I, i feel lost what what book am i gonna write and she goes Well, I mean, why don't you just walk in the front yard and see what you find? Like these things come to you. Mm -hmm. Like don't get stressed out about it. I'm like, oh yeah, Yeah. good point. So you've got Uh, a couple coming. What do you have coming? I do. Uh, I've got a book called good news for a change coming in July, which is about how to talk about Jesus with anybody, like literally anyone, the hardest person you can think of how to start a conversation and have it not just be good, but one that they say, Hey, I want to talk some more. Like this was so fun. Let's talk more. Uh, and then in August, I have a book coming called the Crescent stone. It's a young adult fantasy novel that deals with, uh, issues related to power and privilege. And how does that work itself out? Essentially. It's a really fun book. I, I love this book and everyone who's read it really loves it. So yeah, good news for a change, which is a nonfiction book. And then the Crescent stone, which is a, a novel
0: all right now,
1: before we tell people how to get to your stuff because i know that's where nate's going right now yeah. um sorry i have a our internet's coming soon uh it's a long story but we'll do that in the other part of the show i wanted to personally know uh my imaginary jesus that was your first book you published yep. right yep that was made into a play is that correct it was yeah Did, Did was that your idea or somebody else's idea? So, how was that? How surreal was it to have some book you wrote interpreted (sighs) in that way? That's got to be crazy. Here's what's awesome the main character in Imaginary
2: Jesus is me. Like, Mm. I'm the main character. So, this woman, uh, Deanna Gent, who ended up, she's the playwright, she reached out to me after reading the book and said, Would you be open to this? And I said, Yeah, I'm open. And then she flew me and my wife out for the world premiere of the play. And she had decided that there needed to be a narrator mat and a character mat. So there were two people playing me in the show. Wow. And these were serious actors. They had watched me do talks and things online and had my like ways of moving and wore clothes like my clothes. It was crazy. Like Krista was sitting there in the audience going like Hey, you do that all the time. How did they, what, look what they're doing with their hands. Uh, <laughs> and it was just a delightful play. It was so good. She really boiled it down to like kind of the key parts. And uh, in fact, a, a central piece of the book is about us dealing with uh, some miscarriages in, in our personal life. And they had this scene in a hospital and Crystal was just sobbing next to me during, during the play. And she said, it was so real. It was like they were there. Uh, so yeah, it was really surreal, and it was fun. It was so fun standing around afterwards and talking to people who yeah. were uh, yeah had just. Did, did experienced you experience the play?
1: Did you get to uh, any approval over the script, or did you just yeah. go
2: see it? Okay. Yeah. Deanna was great. She ran everything past me, but she was so dedicated to making it. Uh, she loved the book. So she was, you know, like I said, she added some jokes and put some things in that made it translate well to the stage, but it was, it was
1: a very faithful adaptation. That wow. is so cool. I, I was so happy when I read that. Happy for you. Uh, Deanna, by the way, if you ever see a
2: play playing somewhere near you called Falling, by Deanna Gent. It's an amazing play that you should definitely make the time to go see. It's, it's really, it's autobiographical about her and her family. A beautiful play. Yeah. Okay.
1: Wow. So how do people connect with you if they want to check out your books or send you an email or float a lantern your way? <laughs> if you can spell my last name, which is a pretty big if, you
2: can find me. All the Mikkelodises in the United States are directly related to me. Uh, so they will move you along if you get the wrong one. Uh, so it's Amazon and Mary, I-K-A-L-A. T-O-S. So I'm on Twitter as Matt McLaudis. I'm on Facebook as if you look up Mikelotis Books, it'll come up. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on MySpace. I don't ever check MySpace. But, <laughs> <laughs> and if you wanna uh, email me, it's it's just matt at And I would love to hear from you any of those ways. Be glad
0: to fantastic well can't thank you enough matt i really appreciate you taking time to have a conversation with us uh the pirate the 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 conversations uh in the pirate monk rooms are going to be enriched by by this one i'm sure so uh uh, time has flown we're going to have to wrap this up but thank you again man thanks guys it was a lot of fun all right all right take care bye bye
1: Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Awesome conversation. I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah, I'm sure I, they did. I just I love that he worked at a comic book store. That just fit for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Did,
0: did you say that the imaginary Jesus book was a comic book? No, it's not a comic book. No but oh, okay. it, No, no. But it's kind of surreal. It was. It was. A, it was a, I would call it a uh, a comic novel, a comedy novel. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. It has yeah.
0: Comedic moments. There you go. Well,
1: he, he cites, for our listeners, uh, his influences are Flannery O'Connor, G.K. Chesterton, and C.S. Lewis, which is usually a list of names just to prove you went and got a higher level degree somewhere. Uh-huh, uh, yeah, those yeah. Are the, but Flannery O'Connor has that funny short story kind of deal going on that I mm-hmm. think uh, I would love to have talked to him more about some of that, but I think that you should try it out, pick up one of these books. I've read some of what he's done, it's good stuff. I also wanna ask you, for people to prepare to get online with one of these meetings, they need to go to the Samson website, right, and make yeah. an account. Right. Because that's going to link them. How's, how's this work?
0: Well, uh, if you're brand new, if you have never been to the Samson site, then uh, actually the only way for you to join the Samson site is first to attend a newcomer meeting. Oh, that comes first. Yeah. See, we're trying to protect the community. I see. So
1: when you go on to the Samson site, it once it's up and running, it yeah. will tell you when a newcomer meeting is. Yeah. And give you something to click on that will link you into that.
0: Yeah. I believe that's how it works. <laughs> I do know this if you want the Samson app to work the app will not work until you have joined a group you've been part of a group an established group so I would say right now the crucial thing even before we get all of new members on board is to get our existing groups on board and uh, if your group is not listed on the new site uh, then get over there and list that sucker Okay, is that
1: easy? Here, I'm, I'm clicking on this right
0: now. Oh, God. Now, this is people who know. So if you are I'm in a not Samsung the IT group. guy. <laughs> all uh, right. So but, if, uh, but but uh, set up a group. It's actually all the way at the bottom of the main page at Samson right, Hold right on. I got,
1: I got 600 kilobytes a second. It's working on it. In fact, this experiment may – oh, it's up. It's up. Okay, so listeners, if you are in a Samsung group, You go to samsonsociety.com and all the way at the bottom, Nate says below, uh, a way to get your book,
0: sign up or register a group. There's a You click here to create a group.
1: I get, okay. All right. So, uh, but do they they have to be a member to do that? right? Right, 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 right. But they can't be a member until they get to, uh, an online newcomer
0: meeting right exactly and we're having some glitches with the newcomer meeting uh right now okay. uh, the, right now according to the site is best i can figure out the only guys who are authorized uh to host a newcomer meeting all live in india um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we so gotta get, get that on, fixed get on facebook
1: start surfing india and try to make some friends <laughs> Stop. then you can have a Samson group. Okay, well, that's good. We yep. just want to keep people updated with the technology and what's right. coming. But what I do like is you're basically saying, hey, Samson group's out there. You're going to have to take some responsibility for yourselves. Yeah. And this can also be a cool way for you to connect with your actual physical group you're in because you can all be linked to have discussions and leave messages through
0: this right exactly there will be a forum on the site where you can have discussions right within your group and also through the app which is authorized once you're in the group uh you'll be able to communicate with anybody in your group can ask somebody to be a silas you can track your daily phone calls to your silas all that kind of cool thing
1: this is really good as well if you have a physical group to have it listed on here once this gets up and going because there's a find a meeting button. And so if you want guys in your city to know, Hey, there's a Samson meeting. Yeah. This is the obvious place. They're going to come and we want your group to be listed here. Yeah. So you all need to help generate that information.
0: And they can also send an email to you, right. Or to us. To yeah. Pir- so yeah, please email us here at the pirate monk podcast, just pirate monk at gmail.com. And uh, we'll even, we'll even field as best we can. Oh, and by the way, If you are an IT guy, if you grew up in the world of the worldwide Internet and or web or whatever the hell we call it, and uh, uh, you're not flummoxed by a keyboard uh, the way I am, um, I need to extract myself from this entire conversation as soon as possible. We need to have some fully authorized uh, pirate monks who run this thing and continue to improve it. Uh, If you would like to volunteer for that task, please send us a message. You can hit me on my personal email, Nate at NateLarkin.com, and we'll get you into the mix. All right. So send us your questions, send us
1: your thoughts, uh, and do you want them to send any information if they have a group that uh, are you adding some of these groups? No, they they add them themselves. so. So don't send that email. Stop it right now. Don't That's send it. what email? We're talking about your groups. You said they have to do it themselves.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, we'd love your uh, cards, letters, suggestions, uh, comments, pushback, anything you uh, uh, would, would like to contribute to this ongoing conversation, send us an email at pirate monk podcast at gmail.com. Dot com. And uh, by the way, oh, another idea I had, Aaron, we've had a call for a resumption of uh, mini meetings. Mm -hmm. And now that we have this fabulous technology, we can have guests come in from Mm -hmm. anywhere in the world to sit in on a mini meeting. We can have pirate monks from anywhere join us for a mini meeting.
1: This so, is this is true. Yeah. So, so look, so,
0: if you would go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was going to say if if you would like to be a part of a mini meeting on the show, send us an email at the email address Nate gave, and we will say uh, you would have to be available at nine a.m. Pacific time on Wednesdays because we could just yeah put that slot uh, ten Mountain, so, eleven Central, noon Eastern. Yeah. So, Hey, Eastern people, you might be on your lunch break. So it will only be, you know, we want to keep that portion of the show to about 15, 20 minutes max. So if you're on a lunch break, you could definitely fit it in. So if you're interested, email
0: us and uh, we'll try to make that happen. Fantastic. All right. Love you, Aaron. Uh, Enjoyed the time again. And uh, until next week, uh, to all of our pirate monks And pirate monk friends out there I'm Nate I'm Aaron We are your pals On the Pirate Monk Podcast
1: Waterfall Nothing can harm me at all. My worries seem so very small But my waterfall I can see my way